1: Welcome. It is exciting to have you here. This is the first show of 2021. I cannot believe that we have made it through 2020. And what will this year hold? I am certain that there will be a lot of change. There will be a lot of creativity, a lot of expansion, and a lot of deeper contemplation into some of the things that came up in 2020. 2020 was a powerful year for us to be able to really be with ourselves and to move through a lot of the social activism types of topics as well as our political world. As we move forward now, it's time to really hold and embrace with compassion many of the things that are rising to the surface, things that are now our normal world parts of our world that are the diversity that we experience, the changes, the transitions, and all that can be new from all that was old. Today's guest is Paria Hasuri and she is a pediatrician, mother of three, and a transgender rights activist. She's a public speaker and has written articles for multiple media outlets and she has a tremendous story in regard to herself and also her family. It was the perfect story to begin 2021 with because I believe we are at a time where not only are we looking at things From this human perspective and how we deal with the different types of changes, transitions, and diversity that is in our world, but also from the soulful perspective in how we have to adapt both internally and externally and reconcile all that is taking place in our lives. She has written a book entitled Found in Transition. A mother's evolution during her child's gender change. And on Thanksgiving morning, she found herself furiously praying and negotiating with the universe as she ironed a dress her 14-year-old designated male at birth had secretly purchased and wanted to wear to dinner with the extended family. This is a powerful, very frank, and loving and practical account of parenting a transgender teen, and I am delighted to have her on today to speak very intimately, vulnerably, and powerfully about how we can parent and how we can move through parenting ourselves at the same time. Welcome, Paria, to 1111
2: Talk Radio. Hi. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'd love to begin uh, simply around the word transition. The book is titled Found in Transition, and it kind of has a, a double entendre here. It, it has quite a few meanings when you speak about the word transition. Um, talk a little bit about the title of the book and um, not only the transition that had to physically take place, but many of the different types of transitions that occurred during this process.
2: Yeah, so I think the title "Found in Transition" um, and you know the subtitle is "A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change" um, really applies as much to what happened with me and my evolution as 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 it does to my daughter's social and and medical transition, uh, because really this is a book about a parent's journey uh, from a parent's perspective of what happens when you have a child um, that presents you with something completely sort of unexpected um, and that how that shifts everything you thought you knew about yourself and your child and how while you, you know we had this period that she went through social um, and then m- some medical transition. I myself um, evolved and found out a lot more about myself about you know who I am as a as a mother as a as a person as a as a woman um, as uh, as an Iranian American immigrant. So the found in transition is really the process in which I found myself um, simultaneously while she was going through her transition.
1: You know, this is a, a very vulnerable and courageous conversation to be having with the world, to to share completely, because I imagine through the course of that, there was a lot of grief, there was heartbreak, there were times of, of joy where awarenesses and Uh, successes took place but but also much challenge you know family dynamics can be difficult enough just in in our regular setting but then when we throw in these these different things that all of a sudden pop up in our lives it creates a whole different spin all of a sudden talk about why you did make this public or why it felt necessary to share such a a an intimate story with the world
2: You know, I think when my daughter came out, it was May of 2017, and she came out at 13 and a half, and she really, I was completely blindsided by it, and so was my husband and our entire family, and that's because, you know, I felt like she really didn't have any signs of being trans at all before she came out to us at at 13 and a half, or not any signs that I would have considered signs of, uh, of being transgender. And so when she came out, I didn't believe her. Um, I thought that this was some teenage confusion, attention seeking depression phase and that, and that it wasn't real. And I started looking for stories to read, and I really couldn't find a story like like ours. Um, what I found were a lot of memoirs written by trans people, which are obviously incredibly important and and worthy of reading, but in. As a parent, I needed to read a parent perspective, um, and and also a lot of those memoirs, you know, were were written by trans people who had did have signs when they were, you know, three, four, five years old. And then I found a lot of parent books, um, again, written by parents who whose kids had presented earlier um, when they were three, four, five years old, and by the time the parents were writing their story. Um, they were, it was from a different lens and it was, you know, they were already way past acceptance because this was something really that they had been dealing with throughout their whole child's life. And so for me, there weren't these stories um, of the parents who are having these older children and young adults coming out who are being completely blindsided um and really not knowing what to do and you know in particularly 2020 was a year where i think a lot of people came out as trans because you know you're home you're going inward you're really contemplating um your, your life and who you are and how you want to live and whether you, you know, how authentic are you being and what matters. And I I think, um, you know, I I obviously wrote this, um, earlier, but I think it's such so needed now because there are so many parents dealing with this right now.
1: You know, you're right. Uh, with, with the past year that we've had, it has been one of, of deep contemplation or where people have been uh, having to be together and sequestered in their own homes and, and different types of things. And I know that a lot of relationships where people have changed careers or decided how they want to live differently. And I would imagine for someone who is trans becoming aware of, of the real truth of themselves to even wanting to admit it or come out to their family, that that could be... A really difficult experience for them as well as for the family that's involved uh, because it would it would bring up a lot of emotions you said that Ava came to you on that day was there never any sort of conversation was there never any inclination Um, was it something that she had kept to herself for or her own friends for so long, and never even spoken to another sibling. Was there never any clue
2: whatsoever? Right. So, so that's I think the important thing to note is that there was never any clue that there that she had any issue with her gender. Um, she did have off and on periods of depression where we couldn't figure out why she was depressed and we would take her to therapy you know and 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 try to help her figure it out and you know there were things like she had um she always only had a few friends and had sort of difficulty if you went to a birthday party like difficulty sort of just running along and playing with all the other kids and um so there was some some loneliness some depression but there was never any indication that what may be causing this loneliness and depression is a gender identity issue. And and the other point is that when she came out, you know, we asked her, um, is this something that you always knew and you just, you didn't tell us, Uh, until now and and you suppressed it uh, because if that had been the case it would have been easier for me to accept but she said no I haven't always known I just this all I've figured this all out in the last you know six months to a year so it was really once she was 12 and her body started going through puberty is when she started to um, have questions about her gender identity and, and felt like her body wasn't feeling right. And, and before that, she really, she didn't know it um, herself either. And I think that's, you know, one of the things is a lot of the narrative you'll again see will be people will say, okay, well, I, I didn't come out till I was, you know, 15 or 30 or 40, but I always knew I just didn't come out and so nobody would have known. But in her case, you know, she said she didn't know and she didn't start to question it until her body started going through puberty. And now that I have become so much more educated on this topic, um, we we know that about 50% or more of trans people don't know that there is a gender issue pre-puberty and that for them, this emerges at the start of puberty or possibly even later.
1: So it is not atypical. This is actually a 50% rather than, than a, a child knowing very early on or a parent seeing the inclinations at 3, 4, or 5.
2: Right, right. And, and that's the narrative that has been missing but is um, hopefully now in the last couple of years being told more. Well, and I think I'd also like the audience to realize, especially for
1: parents that are dealing with this, you're a pediatrician, you're an MD, you're someone in the field where you would have thought you would have seen or known or understood. But even for you, this was a surprise, um, especially since since Ava herself did not realize, um, but within the, the six-month period.
2: Yes. So exactly. As a pediatrician, I felt like I should know better than, you know, than other parents or, or, or mothers. But but really, in all my medical training, we never got any sort of formal training or education on gender. Um, and we still really don't teach not just physicians, but anybody working with children. Um you know, about gender, gender identity, the different um, phases and ages and ways that it can present and, and, and emerge. Um, and even, you know, 20 years into being a practicing pediatrician, you know, w- we have to do continuing medical education courses. And it's not a requirement for us to learn about gender when when really we should, we should all learn about it. Found in
1: Transition is the story of a modern American family. As the book weaves the journeys of a pediatrician mother and her transgender teenager, it illustrates universal themes of parenting, identity, belonging, self discovery, growth, and unconditional love. This page turning memoir relates a tender story of loving and parenting a teenager coming out as a transgender and transitioning. It explores identity, self discovery in adolescence and midlife and difference in a world that values conformity. At its heart, Found in Transition is a universally inspiring portrait of what it means to be a family. The title of the book is Found in Transition, the subtitle, A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change. And you can find out more about Paria at pariahasuri.com. You can find that link in the bio description to go directly there. She is the author, and she's a transgender rights activist. Her essays have been published in The Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, Huffington Post, and Women's Running Magazine. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages with Paria Hasuri and more of Found in Transition.
0: 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
3: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: I want to mention as we get back to the show that the new issue of 1111 Magazine is out. You can always... Partake of those issues and be introduced to six to ten new individuals that you may not know about and the light that they share in the world. It's always filled with beautifully inspiring stories and a lot of rich content. So definitely access 1111mag at 1111mag.com. I'd love to also share... That last month's issue does have a feature of Pariya as along with many other individuals. That is, it is themed around divine mothering. And there is a beautiful course, The Mothering Movement, that has been created by eight individuals to cover the different aspects and diversity of motherhood in today's times. It is one of the most beautiful and powerful uh, sharings that I have seen by different individuals in all kinds of circumstances from people whose children have wrongfully been incarcerated and how they deal with that trauma of supporting that child as well as going through their own healing in addition to wisdom from Paria Husari about about her own uh, issues found in transition with her child, Uh, the fear that we are born with as we come in in the womb and how we carry forward generational legacies in that way, and also the signs and symbols and perspectives that children provide to us as our teachers as we move forward. The truth is we all need a little bit of mothering right now, and this is a perfect way to get your own while also understanding a higher consciousness way of parenting your own children. So definitely check that out also in the courses section of 1111 mag once again in found in transition hasuri is a pediatrician and mother of three who chronicles what amounts to a dual transition her child's transition from male to female and her own evolution as she overcomes deep-seated insecurities about not fitting in as an Iranian immigrant while navigating through anger, denial, and grief about her child's gender dysphoria to eventually arrive at a place of acceptance and advocacy. It is a beautifully written book. It's powerful. And it is a a nice, easy read that's comfortable to really move through the story and feel the humanity that exists within it. Welcome back, Paria. I want to talk a little bit about that humanity that takes place through this story. It is an experience where you're not only having to deal with the, the hormonal changes and the emotions that are going on within this child that is trying to figure themselves out, but it probably had you hit a wall yourself of really having to look at you and question yourself and what you did or did not do. Uh, before this, as well as what to do at this moment. Talk a little bit about first the confusion state and perhaps the anger and the grief that might arise for parents when they are coming up against something that they're completely unprepared for.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as parents, anytime our child is struggling in any way, you know, our immediate thought is, what did I do wrong? you know and we judge ourselves as as parents and, and as mothers and you know so when ava first came out uh because you know initially i was in in anger you know in denial and my question was well what did I do wrong that my kid is so confused that they feel like they need to, you know, resort to sort of, you know, this uh, being trans as, as the, as the answer. Um, and then once it became apparent that no, you know, this, this wasn't a phase and it wasn't, you know, something she was making up um then I went through this uh, terrible period of grief because I had, you know, we, I had all these hopes and expectations and dreams for all of my children. And I was so worried that being trans was going to limit who she, who she would be and who she could become and, and what she could accomplish. And so it was really quite an emotional uh, journey for me to grapple with all these different feelings that I have, and then also to be able to shift my mindset to see my child, who I had seen for 13-plus <laughs> years as male, um, to start to see her as, as female, um, you know, that's... In, Incredibly um, difficult thing to do, but surprising how much your how much neuroplasticity you do have, and how much you can do that if you just you know exercise that that muscle. But there is a there's a part of this where
1: it is almost like losing a child, even though you're you you have the same child and you're 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 gaining a child. It there is an aspect to this of of loss and grief that has to be really dealt with. And typically underneath anger is a lot of grief and sadness. And so when did you hit the point where you really allowed yourself to tap into that grief and that loss and and in a sense um, let go of the child that was in order to embrace the child that was coming into being?
2: Yeah, I think there came a point where I sort of knew that I had to deal with my grief and allow myself to feel it so that I could start to move forward because trying to suppress it or pretend it wasn't there, I knew wouldn't wouldn't then allow me to start seeing her with new and, and fresh eyes and, and move forward. And I think from when she came out for me to get that to that point of being able to start to see her differently was somewhere between six to nine months when that started to shift for me. Um, And I think a lot of what helped me um, start to make the shift was uh, talking to other parents with trans um, teens and and young adults who were going through the same thing through a support group, um, seeing myself in them, feeling that I'm not alone, being able to talk about this shared um, sense of grief and loss. And, you know, I think a lot of times as parents of, uh, you trans kids and young adults, we feel like we are not supposed to grieve or that we're not allowed to grieve because, you know, people say, well, you're not, you're not losing, you know, anyone, your child's right there in front of you. You haven't lost anything. And, and it's true. We're not losing our child, but you, you are losing a vision, um, that you had for this child, and um, and the new vision can be even better, uh, but you need to be able to grieve what you, what you are envisioning and hoping for this child to be able to move through and have an even better vision for their future.
1: I think that's the case in any kind of situation. Until we let go of the past, you cannot really embrace a new future. And it hinders our perspective, our ability to see, and our ability to be truly open to the experience that's that's coming forward to us. So I very much appreciate that share, Paria. What about the rest of your family? You know, I, I, the book is, is a lot about you and Ava, but what, mm-hmm. what did the other children have to experience and go through? What about your husband? How, as an entire unit, uh, was the emotional landscape as well as the psychological landscape.
2: Yeah, I think for my other two children, they actually handled it really, really well. They, uh, her older brother, who's two years older than her, um, and they've always been incredibly close. He really felt, it didn't seem like he felt any sense of loss or grief at any point he really felt like she is the same person that she's always been. It's just that we weren't aware of her gender identity, but that the ascent, the essence of who she is, is no different. And so, and their relationship, their conversations, the things they did together, you know, none of it uh, changed and they, remain as 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 close as ever. Um, and then my younger daughter, who's who's three years younger than Ava, she really had when she found out she, uh, that Ava is trans, she had. Sort of two to three days of a wave of different emotions going through her, and some of it was excitement over getting to have a sister instead of a brother since she already had one brother and a lot of it was but but then grief of feeling like she's you know her brother's being sort of replaced by this new version of her that that 's her sister but but really, it was just a few days for her um, and she and she handled it really well as well, so I think. You know, kids are much better than than parents at uh, at at seeing, you know, just at being able to see that you know this is sort of who she's always been, and and that she or this essence of who she was, you know, isn't changing. And I also think, you know, as As siblings, you know, they don't have the same sort of, not like parents where we kind of dream these futures for their kids. You know, siblings aren't doing that for each other. Um, My husband handled things a lot better than I did. It was very hard for him as well, but he did definitely handle it a lot better than I did. And I think that's because, one, I think his identity is much less wrapped in being a father than my identity is wrapped in being a mother. So for me, it made me question my own identity a lot more than it. I don't think my husband questioned his identity as a father at all, because he didn't know this thing about his child. Um, And I also think that I was a lot more um, tied into this idea of, Oh, I'm a mother of two boys and a girl. I'm a mother of two sons and a daughter. Uh, versus my husband always just felt a lot more like, you know I have three kids. And so I think that difference in us made it much harder for me than it did for him. Um, and yeah. how
1: did how did the transition or this experience, particularly since so much of this was you moving through a lot of the things, that you had to internally that uh, that had to do with worth or or uh, emotion or uh, your move from Iran here and all of those kinds of things. How did that impact your relationship between each other as as parents?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as as parents, my husband and I actually became much closer which is interesting, because for in some families, this really causes a rift in the in the parents, especially if they don't agree on whether or not you know they should support the child and in transition or not. but for I think for we hadn't really had a major parenting challenges, and so this parenting challenge actually brought us closer to each other because. We really needed to rely on each other to get ourselves through. And, you know, there'd be periods where I would feel a little, a little down and, um, you know, my husband would try to support me and then he would feel down and I would become optimistic and we would sort of like pass the baton of who gets to crumble and who gets to be strong and have to support, you know, each other through it. And 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 it brought us really closer together in that way. I think, um, and then, you know, for me, I had to really, you know, realize that, you know, my worth as a mother or validity as a mother or isn't tied into knowing my children, you know, that, um, just because I didn't know this very fundamental thing about my child didn't mean that I wasn't a good mother, um, that, um, you know, I hadn't parented her right, um, and so uh, you know, I really had to realize, sort of redefine what I thought a, a mother is supposed to know about her child, or or, or not. You know, and, and and really think of it as I, you know, I what I am a good mother if my child felt comfortable enough at thirteen to come and tell me this thing about herself you know, within six months to a year of starting to figure it out for herself, if she felt comfortable enough to come out and tell me um, that I had done something right, you know.
1: Absolutely. Now, I know we're going to go into in the next segment, much of the the learnings and different things that took place uh, through this transition. I wonder in regard to your husband, what was the, the great learning or awareness that came to him through this transition?
2: You know, I think, I think for him, I, 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 it's it's hard for me to say uh, say. It's hard for me to speak for him, but I think you know he he always says you're only as happy as your least happy child. <laughs> he sort of always had that mantra, and I think in in particular here. You know he knew that the only way for us to be happy and for him to be happy was to figure out how we could support our child so that she could be happy. Um, so I think he knew he knew from the beginning that the only way through this was to sort of it was to figure it out and 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 support her and to and to come together um, and and work through it as a family. Having a trans child made Paria open her
1: mind and her heart beyond what she could have ever imagined possible. It taught her what being a mother truly meant. She gained a new sense of purpose and passion and became involved with a community of other parents and trans children that she would not have otherwise met. She became an activist and learned to use her voice to impact in any way that she could, and she also reexamined her own relationships with worth and how insecurities carried back from the past to being an immigrant had impacted her. She's let go of a lot of those ideas that have held her back for the past 30 years, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. Again, you can find out more about Paria Hasuri and this book found in transition at her website, pariahasuri.com. You can find that link in her bio description, and I urge you to check it out. You can also find her on Twitter at Paria Hasuri, and on Instagram at LaParia. We'll be right back after after these messages.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 1-11, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and empowered
3: let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com It's your
0: world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
1: Welcome back. We are discussing Found in Transition. It is a new book that explores a gender transition from a mother's perspective. Paria Hasouri found herself furiously praying and negotiating with the universe as she ironed a dress for her 14-year-old designated male at birth that she had secretly purchased and wanted to wear to dinner with extended family on Thanksgiving morning. And this is where this book moves into a heart-opening, mind-expanding exploration of what would take place when there are such transitions that occur inside of a family. It is a moving story, and it's a real story. We are facing these types of things uh, everywhere, all kinds of change, and the transgender community more and more is becoming more comfortable in letting themselves be seen and known, and it is now time for the population to also embrace them as fully as well. So it is books like this and conversations and stories that are shared that allow us all to become more compassionate, open, and allowing for the full diversity of the human experience. You can find out more about Pariya Hasuri at PahariyaHasuri.com. Find that link in the bio description Again, the title of the book is Found in Transition, A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change. Uh, Paria, as we move into this segment, I'd love to talk a little bit about the experience for you and the support that you received. You mentioned a little bit in in the prior segment about how you found uh, groups that helped to to ease the conversation for you and help to understand that in the more talking and I'm certain the writing supported also getting to those places of awareness talk a little bit about receiving support and what type of support uh, allowed you to dive more deeply into the issues that were
2: coming up for you yeah so i think the the greatest factor really was joining a, a support group and talking to other families who had gone through the same thing that I was going through. I remember going to my, the first support group meeting thinking, oh, nobody here is going to have my story where their kid just came out like out of the blue and... Um, and, you know, that I'm going to meet all these other parents whose, you know, kids always had signs when they were younger and that I just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't connect. And and when I walked into my first support group meeting, at least half the room were parents who had been blindsided, just like I had been with, with older, you know, with kids who were had come out uh, older or as young adults. And, you know, seeing them go from... And and there were parents at different phases and st- you know, stages at that meeting and seeing parents who were years ahead of me in this journey and whose uh, children were doing really well and thriving and, and that parents were doing well is really what helped me to get me through. And that was a lot of why I wanted to write my book and be so honest in my and raw in my book because I really wanted to show that you can go from complete devastation to coming out on the other th- side and 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 thriving and and your life actually being enriched by an experience that you thought you know wasn't going to be a, a good one um and i think you know writing i i was journaling throughout this a period and the journaling really helped me deal with my uh, emotions as i was going through this And uh, fortunately, I also had really supportive friends and family. I told my uh, two sisters right from the beginning, uh, as soon as Ava told us, I I let them know what was going on um, and and a couple of close friends. uh, I I told what was going on right from the beginning and and within a couple of months, um, I told my parents and I had actually been nervous about telling my parents, uh, thinking that they wouldn't understand or wouldn't support it. And they surprised me and were incredibly supportive. So I was really, really fortunate in having, you know, friends, family, community members and writing, you know, all helping me uh, to sort of process what I was going through.
1: That is fortunate that you have that type of support system that would would readily embrace you and come to your side uh, in this transition. I would imagine that that there are situations, uh, and perhaps even for you, but for many people where they do not have that support or where friends judge or... Uh, or they lose friendships or different people in these kinds of experiences simply because we live in a world where there is judgment. There are people that don't understand. There there are still minds that are, are closed. What would you say to those individuals that might be facing something like that?
2: You know, I would say to to those people, listen to yourself and your own heart and what you know, is the right thing for the child, you know, in front of you. I think we, a lot of times worry too much about what outsiders are going to say and and think and how they're going to react and our worries and fears about how everyone else is going to react make us, you know, parent uh, differently. And, you know, I kind of think, You know there was a phase where i was worried about you know my parents and like my parents friends and what would they say and how would what my parents friends said you know impact my parents and then i realized you know my why am i worried about how this is going to impact my parents more than i'm worried about the impact it's having on my actual child who's going through this, you know, my number one priority is what is best for the, my child, uh, the person in front of me and what my child needs from me today. And so if what my child needs from me today might potentially alienate all my extended family and friends then that's, you know, their problem. But whoever is not ready to support you right now, you don't need that person in your life. Surround yourself by people who will support you. Wonderful advice. As you moved through your
1: journaling and doing your own work to come into a place of acceptance and neutrality on everything that was happening in your life and with your family, uh, there were some things that came up in regard to your own move to this country and feeling accepted or not accepted. And how did Ava's transition actually support you in growing uh, personally as well through your own psychology and your own emotions?
2: Yeah, I think that that was a big part of um, sort of my evolution during this is, you know, I Moved back to the U.S. in 1983, and and we moved to Madison, Wisconsin, for that first year. And and I I was in the fifth grade, and I I was, uh, you know, one of like I was the only brown kid that I can remember actually in my in my school in 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 Madison, and 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 I was bullied, and that really caused a lot of insecurity for me that uh, that I carried with me really into adulthood, and so you know, this sort of fears and insecurities that I had had for years as a result of being a brown immigrant who, you know, had caused me to, um, you know, parent partially, you know, with fear and not wanting my kids to in any way be outsiders. But then, you know, once I, and I always felt like I needed to prove my worth as a woman, an immigrant, as a brown person, um, that I was constantly trying to, you know, please people, um, say that I, you know, deserve sort of what I had accomplished and, um, and you know, was watching my daughter as a teenager be sort of so strong and brave and sure of her identity and saying, you know, this is who I am and this is how I want to uh, live made me realize that I needed to let go of all of my insecurity and that I needed to own myself and who I am and my worth and my place in, Amer- in America, really. Um, and so I, it really just made me realize that I needed to once and for all say goodbye to all the insecurities that i was carrying from the past and and just be who uh, be unapologetically who i am so our children do teach
1: us in their own ways don't they 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 become really really powerful guides uh, unknowingly as you look at your practice life and your professional life has this experience changed you on a professional level as well
2: yeah, I think it, well, it's changed me on a professional level and in in multiple ways. One is that, be before I really didn't know anything about just transgender healthcare, and now I know a lot about transgender healthcare. I've gone to multiple uh, conferences on it and am actually. Per- uh, potentially starting to do um, healthcare for trans kids myself in, in 2021. Um, so there's that. In in terms of even my general practice as a pediatrician. Uh, I've become much more aware of picking up subtle signs that there may be a gender identity issue. You know, like I said, for example, for my daughter, you know, I didn't think she had any signs of being trans when she was a kid because she didn't want to do traditionally, you know, girl things or grow out her hair or wear dresses or, or even, you know, say things like, I'm not uh, I'm not a boy, you know, I wish I was a girl. You know, those are kind of what I thought would be the signs of being trans. And those definitely are. But, you know, in some kids, the signs are a lot more subtle. It can be things like having uh, unexplained depression or um, having uh, certain sensory issues we see more in trans kids or um Different social uh, issues. Um, more ADHD we see in trans kids because their minds are so uh, sort of busy and occupied with what's going on with their gender that they then have trouble, you know, focusing on other things. So, so there's a lot that I've learned um, about about trans kids, um, and how they present that, that I didn't know before. Um, and I've also become just a resource for, you know, I'm in a group of a hundred and something of, uh, physicians of different specialties and in, um, in Los Angeles. And I've become a resource for a lot of my colleagues for, you know, when they have, um, either, a, you know, a, a patient who's trans or, One of their patients tells them they have a family member who's going through this, uh, you know, being able to provide people with resources and information and and point them in the right direction to get care. For some individuals that are going through
1: what you went through uh, that might have considered it a fad or a phase uh, or, or proceeded through the transition, do you ever have any concern
2: that one day Ava would change her mind? Um, I really don't have any concern about that. We we know that if a child pres- uh, is, says that they're trans or feels that they're trans at uh, once puberty has already started, um, then the chance that they're not or that their change, you know, so-called change their mind or decide to, you know, stop hormone therapy is about two to 3%. So 97 to 98% of People puberty and beyond who say they are trans, are trans and and persist in that uh, identity and uh, and and persist with you know whatever way they've ch- they've chosen to transition. I also think that if by any chance she's in the two to three percent who who is not, which which I don't think she is, that still wouldn't mean that I didn't make the right decisions for her now. Um, who she is and, you know, what happens in 10 or 15 or 20 years doesn't mean that I'm not making the right decisions for the child in front of me today to give her what she needs to be, you know, happy, healthy, and thriving. The book is Found in
1: Transition by Paria Hasuri, and you can find out more About her at pariahasuri.com. Hopefully you will gain an appreciation for pausing and listening when your child or teen comes to you with any sort of circumstance rather than reacting. Paria wants people to know that transgender identity can emerge beyond childhood. And she wants readers to see that we have the same hopes and dreams for our children that they have for theirs, and that a family with a transgender child is not any different than their family. Again, that's pariahasuri.com. Definitely check her out. Next week, my guest is Randy Krakowski, and we are talking about Native American medicine and rituals. I hope that you will join me. Thank you, Paria, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be
0: well.